If you deal with chronic pain, muscle soreness, migraines, or menstrual cramps, I am so excited to share one of my favorite products with you. Jovi is a medicine-free way to erase discomfort by using nanocapacitors to change the way your nervous system processes pain. To put it simply, it absorbs pain and tells your brain to no longer feel the pain in the specific area where you're holding the patch. Now, I know this sounds too good to be true and like some type of sci-fi fantasy gadget. So Jovi offers a no questions asked 120-day money-back guarantee. I personally love Jovi and can feel it instantly working whenever I put it on any particular area where I'm feeling pain. So get rid of any pain today and invest in a Jovi patch that will last you through years of use. You can save 10% by using the code DOEIDENTIFY or by using the link in this episode's show notes. Do you love having long, luscious eyelashes but hate the time it takes to put falsies on every morning? What about the cost of eyelash extensions and the long appointments to get them refilled? If you get just as frustrated as I do, Flutter Habit is the perfect solution for you. Flutter Habit offers DIY eyelash extensions at home that are a fraction of the price of regular extensions. Not to mention, they last for five days, which is far longer than regular glue-on eyelashes. If you're ready to up your eyelash game from the comfort of your own home, use the link in my show notes to get 10% off your first order. Thank you so much to Flutter Habit for working with me on this podcast episode. Hey, what's what's up, up, you guys? guys? I'm Catherine. And I'm Haley. And we are Saturdays Are For The Ghouls, a podcast on the Podmoth Network. We cover all things spooky, like horror movies, true crime, the supernatural, and spooky stories in the most chaotic way possible. So join your favorite ghoul friends every Saturday, wherever you listen to podcasts. And become a spooky babe. (laughs) So spooky babes, we'll see you in your nightmares. Find other great podcasts like this one at podmoth.network. This podcast does not include graphic or explicit content. However, this podcast is based on the stories of people that are deceased and oftentimes murdered. So if the topic of death is bothersome to you or anyone around you, please use your best judgment when listening and also listen to the appropriate trigger warnings that I may give in any particular episode. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Doe Identify podcast. If you are new here, my name is Haley and on this podcast we try to get Jane and John Doe's their identities back by advocating for them and sharing their stories. This week, I do want to provide an additional trigger warning. These two men were likely killed by the serial killer, Randy Kraft, who is a disgusting and heinous serial killer from the 1970s, of course, from California. And I could not stomach going into the details of these men's murders, particularly the April John Doe's murder, even if I wanted to. So I will be limiting a lot of the details in their actual murders. 
And if you are new here, I always leave out a lot of the gruesome details because I do put myself in their position and I think about what if someone was telling the disgusting story of how I died if I was in their positions. So I do that out of respect for the victim and then also because this podcast is obviously for entertainment purposes as well as trying to get people identified and hopefully solve some cases. I don't really feel like the brutality of certain crimes will be helpful in my podcast goals. I don't believe that explaining and going into the details of how brutal some of these murders are is necessary to identifying these people. I will say it if I do think it does identify them or if it's something very personal about the murderer. But in this case, we know who the killer is and the details are just really disgusting and I cannot go into them. But please keep in mind that the stories today are just random victims and they are really disturbing because Randy Craft is disturbing in general. So I'm going to be calling them the February and April John Doe's because they are both Wilmington John Doe's of 1973. One was killed in February and one was killed in April. So that is how I will be distinguishing them in this episode. So let's go ahead and get into the February John Doe's case. On the morning of February 6th, 1973, a young man was found naked in a ditch along the Terminal Island Freeway in Wilmington, California by the Long Beach, California Police. Wilmington is in the Los Angeles County, and it's a smaller neighborhood that's the very southern portion of Los Angeles to the west of Long Beach. This highway where his body was disposed of was a highway that is primarily used for industrial trucks. Terminal Island is entirely used for industrial and port-related activities, and this man-made island has been used for industrial purposes since before World War II, so it likely looked very similar as it does today in 1973 when this John Doe was murdered. I unfortunately don't have population information because the Census Bureau groups Wilmington in with Los Angeles as it is in the same county, but there are about 60,000 people in this town today. Investigators believe this victim had been dead for one to two days before he was found. His face is very recognizable and he thankfully didn't experience as much trauma as many of Randy Kraft's victims did. This made it very easy for artists to create accurate renderings of him, and these renderings were so accurate that local members of the LGBTQ community came forward and said that they had seen the victim before. The unidentified Wikia page on this John Doe says he was soliciting tricks on Belmont Shore. I had to look this up because apparently I'm very naive, but if you are like me, this means to solicit a customer for sex work. I'm guessing this means the John Doe was a sex worker that was known in the area. I also am wondering if this is how Kraft spotted our victim if the victim was soliciting a customer. It would have been a really easy way to get alone with the victim and then to do what he did to him. 
So with all of that being said, let's go ahead and talk about our victim's characteristics. He was likely very young at an estimate of only 17 to 25 years old, which is exactly the age range of Kraft's usual victims. I think it's more likely that he was an adult if he was a sex worker, but it's not impossible a teenager would do this as well. We have all heard stories about children being forced into doing sex work. So I'm not positive that he was on the older side, but with that knowledge, I do think he probably was an adult. The victim also had light brown, wavy hair, and brown eyes. He had a thin mustache and beard that was well-trimmed. It was on the shorter side, but it wasn't necessarily professionally groomed or anything like that. His complexion was very light, and he was 5'8". He was 138 to 143 pounds, and we do know he had type A blood. And he also had several thin scars on his left leg. I could not find any images of this leg, so I'm not sure if it looked like it was from an injury or perhaps self-harming or whatever, but we do know that he had thin scars on his leg. And like I said, the artist's renderings of him are very accurate, so those are really all you need to see if you think you may recognize this story or this person. I've said this before with some of the autopsy photos. Not all of them are very disturbing because sometimes there just isn't trauma done to the face, but it is always disturbing just knowing what happened to them and the circumstances in which they passed away. And so I think the image that I use in my episode art and also on social media is perfect enough for people to recognize him personally. Investigators believe he was killed by Randy Kraft because he was violated in a very specific way that most of Randy Kraft's victims were. That has to do with a sock and putting that sock in southern regions. There is also an entry on Kraft's famous scorecard, which gave him the nickname the Scorecard Killer, and this entry is just called Wilmington, and they believe that this was him. I'm wondering if this is where Kraft spotted our John Doe, or if it was just where he was dumped. I think this could give us a lot of explanation on where he possibly lived, if he lived in Wilmington and just saw him walking on the street, or if he did spot him in Belmont Shore and he just wrote down Wilmington because that was where he dumped the body. Sadly, there really aren't a lot of updates about this John Doe today. I did go ahead and submit a tip to a sheriff's office because I found a case that could potentially match his, which I give some information about on the Grateful Doe subreddit. If you just look up my podcast name, you should be able to find me on there. By no means is this a confirmed match or anything, so I'm not going to include it in the episode just in case someone does think this is their family member. And if that is the case, please continue to consider if you knew this John Doe. It was just a tip that I submitted. Let's go ahead and take a quick break to hear about the sponsors of this podcast, and then we will get into the Wilmington John Doe of April 1973. Chewy is once again one of my partnerships for this podcast. Chewy is one of the longest partnerships I have on this podcast, and it's for a great reason. 
We started using Chewy when we got our first dog, Ranger, in college, which was like four years ago, because it helped us save so much money through their auto ship program. Now that we have two dogs, we go through way more food now, and the auto ship program takes remembering to buy them their food every month off my plate completely. All I did was set up the frequency I want their food to be delivered, and it comes every single month. If you would like to try out the AutoShip program, you can save 30% on your first order using my link in the show notes. If you have a fur baby, I know you will love Chewy as much as I do. Thank you so much to Nix for continuing to partner with me for my podcast. If you don't know what NYX is, it's a company that has absolutely everything you need so you can be comfortable on an everyday basis in your loungewear no matter what you're doing. Let's be honest, most bras are super uncomfortable and have sharp underwires that just do not allow you to relax at all whatsoever. What's so special about NYX is that they have no underwires in any of their bras. All of their straps are completely adjustable, and then they also have at least three to four rows of extender hooks in the back. They have completely changed the game for bras and loungewear, and I myself have five NYX bras, and I absolutely love every single one. Something else I love about NYX is their accurate representation of models on their website. You will have to see for yourself, but everyone is a real human on their website, and they're not perfect models that have been photoshopped for hours on end, and I just appreciate that so much. If you want $15 off your most comfortable bra ever, use the link in my show notes and go ahead and spoil yourself and get something that you will feel confident in. Thank you so much to NYX for always working with me. It is an absolute pleasure. Thank you to everyone for taking a listen to our sponsors and thank you for everyone who does support this podcast. I appreciate it way more than you know, but let's go ahead and get into the April John Doe's story. On April 22nd, 1973, portions of another unidentified white male were found in a green bag along the same freeway as the February John Doe, the Terminal Island Freeway in Wilmington, California. Other portions of the same body in the same green bags were found along Henry Ford Avenue. Other portions of his body, including his head, one leg, and arms were all found in Long Beach. Specifically, his head was behind a supermarket on 7th Street and Redondo Avenue, which is now called Smart and Final Extra. I believe they did not give the exact address, but there is a supermarket there to this day. His left leg was found behind another store called Broom Hilda's, and his arms were found along the same Terminal Island Freeway, but a portion that is in Long Beach rather than Wilmington. I say all of these locations to give a bit of an idea of where this John Doe's body was taken, as it could show where the murder took place, as well as where the John Doe could have been from. He could have been from Long Beach or Wilmington if Randy Craft did not go out of his way to hide where this John Doe was from. I went ahead and mapped out all of these locations and they're pretty much straight shots from each other. Of course, there are different roads the killer had to take because he had to cross over different inlets because of Terminal Island being mostly a body of land all by itself. 
but the whole dumping process could have taken just 20 minutes. And Randy Kraft was from Long Beach, so it's no wonder he seemed to know the area so well. It was just crazy to see that everything was a straight shot. It kind of seemed like he just got on the road and just started dumping portions of his body with no thought in the world or no attempt to hide it. So let's go ahead and talk about this victim's characteristics. And and I want to say he was so stinking handsome and he was also so young. He was also likely between the ages of 17 and 25. He had several portions of his body that were unrecovered and there is a wide range of heights he could have been. But investigators say that he was probably between 5'2 and 5'10, which is just not super helpful. And they also think that he weighed 135 to 160 pounds. He also had brown wavy hair, which was five inches in length. And this victim also had a thin mustache and brown eyes. As you can see, these two are very similar and it's eerie to know they had the same killer because Randy Kraft definitely had an M.O. There's an extensive Wikipedia page that someone put together of images of all of his victims and most of them are just really young white males with brown hair. He definitely had an M.O. and so they look a lot alike. The April John Doe possibly had a small mole on the right side of his neck below his ear and also had a surgical scar on his lower abdomen. The medical examiner said this scar is consistent with a cystototomy procedure. This procedure has many different purposes, but all are bladder related, whether it be just like looking at the bladder, helping to get rid of kidney stones, removing a portion of the bladder that's cancerous. According to my research, it's really just a procedure that assists in looking at the bladder and doing something to the bladder. This victim unfortunately saw the sheer evil that was inside of Randy Kraft. I was absolutely nauseated just by reading what happened to him. He had the most disgusting nickname on Kraft's list that investigators found, and the nickname did match this case, which is why people believe he is responsible for the murder. However, Randy Kraft was never convicted of either of these two deaths, likely because they are unidentified. There was no one fighting for their justice like there was for some of the identified victims. But Kraft is suspected to be responsible for the deaths of almost 70 men, but was sentenced to death for just 16 of them. He is unfortunately still alive in a California prison today, which thinking about living on the same planet as someone who did this is like uncomfortable to me to think about. And Randy Kraft still says that he is innocent despite 160 witnesses that were called in to testify on behalf of the prosecution and over 1,000 exhibits of evidence that they used at the trial, one being his scorecard that listed out a bunch of very suspicious things that heavily related to deaths that were found across California as well as some other states. 
But unfortunately, that is all that I have for this week's episode. I wish there was a lot more evidence on these two and their cases are very similar. So honestly, if you are missing a loved one that had brown hair and brown eyes, possibly in the California area, specifically the central to southern California area, please go ahead and submit a tip to investigators or at least reach out and contact them and send them pictures of your loved one. Because these two were found in the same county, they do have the same contact numbers. So if you recognize either of these two John Doe's, please go ahead and contact the Los Angeles Medical Examiner at 323-343-0512. The February John Doe's case is 73-02574. And the April John Doe's case number is 73-06955. As always, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify now. And please let me know if I did get anything wrong. I always leave a link in the show notes to make sure that my research is 100% accurate and that I do mention all of the things that are very important to actually getting them identified. I do leave out some certain details on purpose, like I said, that has been a complaint in the past that I leave out specific details, but there's usually a purpose behind it or it's because government sources don't don't agree with that detail. Thank you all so much for listening to these two John Doe's stories. I hope that they get identified and that they get justice. There has been no justice for these two. Yes, their killer is in jail, but he is not in jail for them. Thankfully, Randy Kraft will never be getting out. But it is unfortunate that they haven't had any justice and they could have family members alive today still looking for them. So please go ahead and share their images, whether it be you going to any of my sources that I link and copying the pictures from there or by sharing my episode, whatever you prefer. But please go ahead and share their faces. These two handsome young men were just getting started in their lives. It's just unfortunate that an actual monster got to them and hurt them in ways that I don't even want to describe to you all. Now go listen to a happier podcast. A happier podcast that I have been loving is called Two Hot Takes. They're kind of going viral right now. They're growing really rapidly. But Morgan just seems like the sweetest girl ever. And everyone has really great intentions on that podcast. And they just give advice to different Reddit users and they read their stories. It's a good time over there. And another good one is Unsolicited Advice where they give advice to their listeners who write in and they're very positive people too. So take a break. Let's not listen to any more serial killer topics today. I hope all of you listen to something a little bit more positive and take a break from the darkness that is in this world. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed listening to it despite the horribleness of these two cases. And please let me know if you have any case suggestions for the next episode.